0: Chapter 25 of The Mayflower and Miscellaneous Writings by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The Mayflower and Miscellaneous Writings by Harriet Beecher Stowe. Chapter 25 A Scholar's Adventures in the Country if we could only live in the country said my wife how much easier it would be to live and how much cheaper said i to have a little place of our own and raise our own things said my wife dear me i am heart-sick when i think of the old place at home and father's great garden what peaches and melons we used to have, what green peas and corn. Now one has to buy every cent's worth of these things and how they taste. Such wilted, miserable corn, such peas. Then, if we lived in the country, we should have our own cow and milk and cream in abundance, our own hens and chickens. We could have custard and ice cream every day. To say nothing of the trees and flowers and all that, said I. The result of this little domestic duet was that my wife and I began to ride about the city of to look up some pretty, interesting cottage where our visions of rural bliss might be realized. Country residences near the city we found to bear rather a high price, so that it was no easy matter to find a situation suitable to the length of our purse, till at last a judicious friend suggested a happy expedient. Borrow a few hundred, he said, and give your note you can save enough very soon to make the difference when you raise everything you eat you know it will make your salary go a wonderful deal further certainly it will said i and what can be more beautiful than to buy places by a simple process of giving one's note tis so neat and handy and convenient Why, pursued my friend, there is Mr. B., my next-door neighbour, tis enough to make one sick of life in the city to spend a week out on his farm, such princely living as one gets, and he assures me that it costs him very little, scarce anything perceptible, in fact. Indeed, said I, few people can say that why said my friend he has a couple of peach trees for every month from june till frost that furnish as many peaches as he and his wife and ten children can dispose of and then he has grapes apricots etc and last year his wife sold fifty dollars worth from her strawberry patch and had an abundance for the table besides Out of the milk of only one cow, they had butter enough to sell three or four pounds a week, besides abundance of milk and cream, and Madame has the butter for her pocket money. This is the way country people manage. Glorious, thought I, and my wife and I could scarce sleep all night for the brilliancy of our anticipations. To be sure, our delight was somewhat damped the next day by the coldness with which my good old uncle, Jeremiah Stanfest, who happened along at precisely this crisis, listened to our visions. "'You'll find it pleasant, children, in the summertime,' said the hard-fisted old man, twirling his blue-checked pocket-handkerchief, "'but I'm sorry you've gone in debt for the land.' "'Oh, but we shall soon save that. It's so much cheaper living in the country,' said both of us." well as to that i don't think it is to city-bred folks here i broke in with a flood of accounts of mr b's peach trees and mrs b's strawberries butter apricots etc etc to which the old gentleman listened with such a long leathery unmoved quietude of visage as quite provoked me and gave me the worst possible opinion of his judgment i was disappointed too for he was reckoned one of the best practical farmers in the county i had counted on an enthusiastic sympathy with all my agricultural designs i tell you what children he said a body can live in the country as you say amazing cheap but then a body must know how and my uncle spread his pocket-handkerchief thoughtfully out upon his knees and shook his head gravely I thought him a terribly slow, stupid old body, and wondered how I had always entertained so high an opinion of his sense. He is evidently getting old, said I to my wife. His judgment is not what it used to be at all events our place was bought and we moved out well pleased the first morning in april not at all remembering the ill savour of that day for matters of wisdom our place was a pretty cottage about two miles from the city with grounds that had been tastefully laid out there was no lack of winding paths arbors flower borders and rose bushes "'with which my wife was especially pleased. "'There was a little green lot strolling off down to a brook "'with a thick grove of trees at the end where our cow was to be pastured. "'The first week or two went on happily enough "'in getting our little new pet of a house into trimness and good order, "'for as it had been long for sale, of course, "'there was any amount of little repairs that had been left "'to amuse the leisure hours of the purchaser.' here a doorstep had given away and needed replacing there a shutter hung loose and wanted a hinge abundance of glass needed setting and as to painting and papering there was no end to that then my wife wanted a door cut here to make our bedroom more convenient and a china closet knocked up there where no china closet before had been We even ventured on throwing out a bay window from our sitting-room, because we had luckily lighted on a workman who was so cheap that it was an actual saving of money to employ him. And, to be sure, our darling little cottage did lift up its head wonderfully for all this garnishing and furbishing. I got up early every morning and nailed up the rose-bushes, and my wife got up and watered geraniums, and both flattered ourselves and each other on our early hours and thrifty habits." but soon like adam and eve in paradise we found our little domain to ask more hands than ours to get it into shape so says i to my wife i will bring out a gardener when i come next time and he shall lay the garden out and get it into order and after that i can easily keep it by the work of my leisure hours our gardener was a very sublime sort of man an englishman and of course used to laying out noblemen's places and we became as grasshoppers in our own eyes when he talked of lord this and that's estate and began to question us about our carriage drive and conservatory and we could with difficulty bring the gentleman down to any understanding of the humble limits of our expectations merely to dress out the walks and lay out a kitchen garden and plant potatoes turnips beets and carrots was quite a descent for him in fact so strong were his aesthetic preferences that he persuaded my wife to let him dig all the turf off from a green square opposite the bay window and to lay it out into divers little triangles resembling small pieces of pie together with circles mounds and various other geometrical ornaments the planning and planting of which soon engrossed my wife's whole soul the planting of the potatoes beets carrots etc was entrusted to a raw irishman "'for, as to me, to confess the truth, "'I began to fear that digging did not agree with me. "'It is true that I was exceedingly vigorous at first, "'and actually planted with my own hands two or three long rows of potatoes, "'after which I got a turn of rheumatism in my shoulder, "'which lasted me a week. "'Stooping down to plant beets and radishes "'gave me a vertigo, "'so that I was obliged to content myself "'with a general superintendence of the garden.' that is to say i charged my englishman to see that my irishman did his duty properly and then got on to my horse and rode to the city but about one part of the matter i must say i was not remiss and that is in the purchase of seed and garden utensils not a day passed that i did not come home with my pockets stuffed with choice seeds roots etc and the variety in my garden utensils was unequalled there was not a pruning hook of any pattern not a hoe rake or spade great or small that i did not have specimens of and flower seeds and bulbs were also forthcoming in liberal proportions in fact i had opened an account at a thriving seed store for when a man is driving business on a large scale it is not always convenient to hand out the change for every little matter And buying things on account is as neat and agreeable a mode of acquisition as paying bills with one's notes. "'You know, we must have a cow,' said my wife the morning of our second week. Our friend the gardener, who had now worked with us at a rate of two dollars a day for two weeks, was at hand in a moment in our emergency. We wanted to buy a cow, and he had one to sell. A wonderful cow of a real English breed.' he would not sell her for any money except to oblige particular friends but as we had patronized him we should have her for forty dollars how much we were obliged to him the forty dollars were speedily forthcoming and so also was the cow what makes her shake her head that way said my wife apprehensively as she observed the interesting beast making sundry demonstrations with her horns i hope she's gentle the gardener fluently demonstrated that the animal was a pattern of all the softer graces and that his head-shaking was merely a little nervous affection consequent on the embarrassment of a new position we had faith to believe almost anything at this time and therefore came from the barnyard to the house as much satisfied with our purchase as job with his three thousand camels and five hundred yoke of oxen her quondam master milked her for us the first evening, out of a delicate regard to her feelings as a stranger, and we fancied that we discerned forty dollars' worth of excellence in the very quality of the milk. But alas, the next morning our Irish girl came in with a most rueful face. "'And is it milking that base to you'd have me be after?' she said. "'Sure, and she won't let me come near her.' nonsense biddy said i you've frightened her perhaps the cow is perfectly gentle and with the pail on my arm i sallied forth the moment madame saw me entering the cow-yard she greeted me with a very expressive flourish of her horns This won't do, said I, and I stopped. The lady evidently was serious in her intentions of resisting any personal approaches. I cut a cudgel, and, putting on a bold face, marched toward her, while Biddy followed with her milking-stool. Apparently the beast saw the necessity of temporizing, for she assumed a demure expression, and Biddy sat down to milk i stood sentry and if the lady shook her head i shook my stick and thus the milking operation proceeded with tolerable serenity and success there said i with dignity when the frothing pail was full to the brim that will do biddy and i dropped my stick dump came madam's heel on the side of the pail and it flew like a rocket into the air while the milky flood showered plentifully over me and a new broadcloth riding coat that I had assumed for the first time that morning, whew! said I, as soon as I could get my breath from this extraordinary shower bath, what's all this? My wife came running towards the cow-yard, and as I stood with the milk streaming from my hair, filling my eyes, and dropping from the tip of my nose, and she and Biddy performed a recitative lamentation over me in alternate strokes, like the chorus in a Greek tragedy. Such was our first morning's experience, but as we had announced our bargain with some considerable flourish of trumpets among our neighbours and friends, we concluded to hush the matter up as much as possible.' these very superior cows are apt to be cross said i and we must bear with it as we do with the eccentricities of genius besides when she gets accustomed to us it will be better Madame was therefore installed into her pretty pasture lot and my wife contemplated with pleasure the picturesque effect of her appearance reclining on the green slope of the pasture lot or standing ankle-deep in the gurgling brook or reclining under the deep shadows of the trees She was, in fact, a handsome cow, which may account in part for some of her sins, and this consideration inspired me with some degree of indulgence towards her foibles. But when I found that Biddy could never succeed in getting near her in the pasture, and that any kind of success in the milking operations required my vigorous personal exertions, morning and evening, the matter wore a more serious aspect, and I began to feel quite pensive and apprehensive it is very well to talk of the pleasures of the milkmaid going out in the balmy freshness of the purple dawn but imagine a poor fellow pulled out of bed on a drizzly rainy morning and equipping himself for a scamper through a wet pasture lot rope in hand at the heels of such a termagant as mine in fact, Madame established a regular series of exercises, which had all to be gone through before she would suffer herself to be captured, as first she would station herself plump in the middle of a marsh, which lay at the lower part of the lot, and look very innocent and absent-minded, as if reflecting on some sentimental subject. "'Sooky, suky, suky!' I ejaculate, cautiously tottering along the edge of the marsh and holding out an ear of corn." The lady looks gracious and comes forward, almost within reach of my hand. I make a plunge to throw the rope over her horns, and away she goes, kicking up mud and water into my face in her flight, while I, losing my balance, tumble forward into the marsh. I pick myself up, and full of wrath, behold her placidly chewing her cud on the other side, with the meekest air imaginable, as who should say, "'I hope you are not hurt, sir.' I dash through swamp and bog furiously, resolving to carry all by my coupe de main. Then follows a miscellaneous season of dodging, scampering, and bow-peeping among the trees of the grove, interspersed with sundry occasional races across the bog aforesaid. I always wondered how I caught her every day, and when I had tied her head to one post and her heels to another, I wiped the sweat from my brow and thought I was paying dear for the eccentricities of genius a genius she certainly was for besides her surprising agility she had other talents equally extraordinary there was no fence that she could not take down nowhere that she could not go she took the pickets off the garden fence at her pleasure using her horns as handily as i could use a claw hammer Whatever she had a mind to, whether it were a bite in the cabbage-garden, or a run in the corn-patch, or a foraging expedition into the flower-borders, she made herself equally welcome and at home. Such a scampering and driving, such cries of Suki here and Suki there, as constantly greeted our ears, kept our little establishment in a constant commotion.' At last, when she one morning made a plunge at the skirts of my new broadcloth frock coat and carried off one flap on her horns, my patience gave out, and I determined to sell her as however i had made a good story of my misfortunes among my friends and neighbours and amused them with sundry whimsical accounts of my various adventures in the cow-catching line i found when i came to speak of selling that there was a general coolness on the subject and nobody seemed disposed to be the recipient of my responsibilities in short i was glad at last to get fifteen dollars for her and comforted myself with thinking that i had at least gained twenty-five dollars worth of experience in the transaction to say nothing of the fine exercise i comforted my soul however the day after by purchasing and bringing home to my wife a fine swarm of bees your bee now says i is a real classic insect and breathes of virgil and the augustan age and then she is a domestic tranquil placid creature how beautiful the murmuring of a hive near our honeysuckle of a calm summer evening then they are tranquilly and peacefully amassing for us their stores of sweetness while they lure us with their murmurs what a beautiful image of disinterested benevolence my wife declared that i was quite a poet and the beehive was duly installed near the flower-plots that the delicate creatures might have the full benefits of the honeysuckle and mignonette my spirits began to rise i bought three different treatises on the rearing of bees and also one or two new patterns of hives and proposed to rear my bees on the most approved model i charged all the establishment to let me know when there was any indication of an emigrating spirit that i might be ready to receive the new swarm into my patent mansion accordingly one afternoon when i was deep in an article that i was preparing for the north american review intelligence was brought me that a swarm had risen i was on the alert at once and discovered on going out that the provoking creatures had chosen the top of a tree about thirty-five feet high to settle on Now, my books had carefully instructed me just how to approach the swarm and cover them with the new hive, but I had never contemplated the possibility of the swarm being, like Hammond's gallows, forty cubits high. I looked despairingly upon the smooth bark-tree, which rose like a column, full twenty-five feet, without a branch or a twig. "'What is to be done?' said I, appealing to two or three neighbors." at last at the recommendation of one of them a ladder was raised against the tree and equipped with a shirt outside of my clothes a green veil over my head and a pair of leather gloves on my hands i went up with a saw at my girdle to saw off the branch on which they had settled and lower it by a rope to a neighbour similarly equipped who stood below with the hive as a result of this manoeuvre the fastidious little insects were at length fairly installed at housekeeping in my new patent hive and rejoicing in my success i again sat down to my article that evening my wife and i took tea in our honeysuckle arbour with our little ones and a friend or two to whom i showed my treasures and expatiated at large on the comforts and conveniences of the new patent hive but alas for the hopes of man the little ungrateful wretches "'What must they do but take advantage of my oversleeping myself the next morning "'to clear out for new quarters without so much as leaving me a PPC? "'Such was the fact. "'At eight o'clock I found the new patent hive as good as ever, "'but the bees I have never seen from that day to this. "'The rascally little conservatives,' said I, "'I believe they have never had a new idea from the days of Virgil down "'and are entirely unprepared to appreciate improvements.' meanwhile the seeds began to germinate in our garden when we found to our chagrin that between john bull and patty there had occurred sundry confusions in the several departments radishes had been planted broadcast carrots and beets arranged in hills and here and there a whole paper of seed appeared to have been planted bodily my good old uncle who somewhat to my confusion made me a call at this time was greatly distressed and scandalised by the appearance of our garden but by a deal of fussing transplanting and replanting it was got into some shape and order my uncle was rather troublesome as careful old people are apt to be annoying us by perpetual inquiries of what we gave for this and that and running up provoking calculations on the final cost of matters and we began to wish that his visits might be as short as would be convenient but when on taking leave he promised to send us a fine young cow of his own raising our hearts rather smote us for our impatience tain't any of your new breeds nephew said the old man yet i can say that she's a gentle likely young critter and better worth forty dollars than many a one that's cried up for ashire or durham and you shall be quite welcome to her we thanked him as in duty bound and thought that if he was full of old-fashioned notions he was no less full of kindness and good-will And now, with a new cow, with our garden beginning to thrive under the gentle showers of May, with our flower borders blooming, my wife and I began to think ourselves in paradise. But, alas, the same sun and rain that warmed our fruit and flowers, brought up from the earth, like sulky gnomes, a vast array of purple-leaved weeds that almost in the night seemed to cover the whole surface of the garden beds, our gardeners both being gone— THE WEEDING WAS EXPECTED TO BE DONE BY ME, ONE OF THE ANTICIPATED RELAXATIONS OF MY leisure HOURS. "'Well,' said I, in reply to a gentle intimidation from my wife, "'when my article is finished, I'll take a day and weed all up clean.' Thus days slipped by, till at length the article was dispatched, and I proceeded to my garden. Amazement! Who could have possibly foreseen that anything earthly could grow so fast in a few days?' there were no bounds no alleys no beds no distinction of beet and carrot nothing but a flourishing congregation of weeds nodding and bobbing in the morning breeze as if to say we hope you are well sir we've got the ground you see i began to explore and to hoe and to weed ah "'Did anybody ever try to clean a neglected carrot or beat bed "'or bend his back in the hot sun over rows of weedy onions? "'He is the man to feel for my despair. "'How I weeded and sweat and sighed, "'till when high noon came on, as the result of all my toils, "'only three beds were cleaned. "'And how disconsolate looked the good seed, "'thus unexpectedly delivered from its sheltering tears "'and laid open to a broiling July sun.' Every juvenile beet and carrot lay flat down, wilted and drooping, as if, like me, they had been weeding instead of being weeded. "'This weeding is quite a serious matter,' said I to my wife. "'The fact is, I must have help about it.' "'Just what I was thinking myself,' said my wife. "'My flower borders are all in confusion, and my petunia mounds so completely overgrown that nobody would dream what they were meant for.' In short, it was agreed between us that we could not afford the expense of a full-grown man to keep our place, yet we must reinforce ourselves by the addition of a boy, and a brisk youngster from the vicinity was pitched upon as a happy addition. This youth was a fellow of decidedly quick parts, and in one forenoon made such a clearing in our garden that I was delighted.' bed after bed appeared to view all cleared and dressed out with such celerity that i was quite ashamed of my own slowness until upon examination i discovered that he had with great impartiality pulled up both weeds and vegetables this hopeful beginning was followed up by a succession of proceedings which should be recorded for the instruction of all who seek for help from the race of boys such a loser of all tools great and small such an invariable lever open of all gates and letter-down of bars such a personification of all manner of anarchy and ill-luck have never before been seen on the estate his time while i was gone to the city was agreeably diversified with roosting on the fence swinging on the gates making poplar whistles for the children hunting eggs and eating whatever fruit happened to be in season in which latter accomplishment he was certainly quite distinguished after about three weeks of this kind of joint gardening we concluded to dismiss master tom from the firm and employ a man "'Things must be taken care of,' said I, "'and I cannot do it. Tis out of the question.' "'And so the man was secured. "'But I am making a long story, "'and may chance to outrun the sympathies of my readers. "'Time would fail me to tell of the distresses manifold that fell upon me, "'of cows dried up by poor milkers, "'of hens that wouldn't set at all, "'and hens that, despite all law and reason, "'would set on one egg.' of hens that having hatched families straightway led them into all manner of high grass and weeds by which means numerous young chicks caught premature colds and perished and how when i with manifold toil had driven one of these inconsiderate gadders into a coop to teach her domestic habits the rats came down upon her and slew every chick in one night how my pigs were always practicing gymnastic exercises over the fence of the sty and marauding in the garden i wonder that fourier never conceived the idea of having his garden land ploughed by pigs for certainly they manifest quite a decided elective attraction for turning up the earth When autumn came, I went soberly to market in the neighboring city, and bought my potatoes and turnips like any other man, for between all the various systems of gardening pursued, I was obliged to confess that my first horticultural effort was a decided failure. But, though all my rural visions had proved elusive, there were some very substantial realities— my bill at the seed store for seeds roots and tools for example had run up to an amount that was perfectly unaccountable then there were various smaller items such as horse-shoeing carriage mending for he who lives in the country and does business in the city must keep his vehicle and appurtenances i had always prided myself on being an exact man and settling every account great and small with the going out of the old year but this season i found myself sorely put to it in fact had not i received a timely lift from my good old uncle i should have made a complete breakdown The old gentleman's troublesome habit of ciphering and calculating, it seems, had led him beforehand to foresee that I was not exactly in the money-making line, nor likely to possess much surplus revenue to meet the note which I had given for my place, and therefore he quietly paid it himself, as I discovered when, after much anxiety and some sleepless nights, I went to the holder to ask for an extension of credit.' he was right after all said i to my wife to live cheap in the country a body must know how chapter twenty five a scholar's adventures in the country